You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger Molly says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Welcome to the Dad the Best I Can show. My name is Rob Roseman, who wants to be a millionaire legend, Chicago futures trader, Vegas poker pro. Now I'm a dad to three kids, ages seven, five, and two. Phew. Where's me out just thinking about it? Each week we bring on high-performing dads like you, entrepreneurs like Jesse Itzler, CEOs like David Cancel from Drift.com, athletes like Ken Rideout, best-selling children's authors like Zach Bush to tell us your stories, your dad tips and tricks to help all of us make it through dad life. We have a brand new website over at dadthebestican.com. Go on over to dadthebestican.com and sign up with your email. It's 100% free, of course. Be the first to hear brand new dad guests and get weekly dad tips in your inbox. How else are you going to keep up with the roller coaster that is dad life? Okay, enough out of me. On to today's show. All right. Welcome to the Dad the Best I Can show. Today, we are lucky to be joined by Devin Bandison. Devin is a father of three, business coach, TEDx speaker, and he is the author of a book called Fatherhood is Leadership, which I'm excited to talk to Devin about. Devin, how's it going today? Rob, it's going great. Thanks for having me. And uh, as I said before we press record, you got that really made for radio voice, man. It's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. I, I wanted to be a, base, a baseball announcer, but dad podcast host will have to do until uh, until I get hired by ESPN. I think this is way better, man. You're doing some some real great work with the show. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you, Devin. Where are you calling in from today? I'm from New York City, born and raised, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful day outside. Yes, our uh, our mutual friend Greg Gelber, he connected us. He's actually been on this show, and he he did tell me that that you're a Knicks fan. He warned me. Yeah, yeah. Well, the warning needs. Uh, look, I'm hoping that this is the year. So, as a Knicks fan, we put we went through a bunch of years of struggling, and hopefully, the payoff will be over the next year. So, I am a Knicks fan and proud of it. <laughs> I, I was a little nervous that you were going to have another frozen envelope Patrick Ewing episode of the lottery, but thankfully, yeah, they- <laughs> thankfully you guys, uh, you guys missed that spot, but I think you'll be all right. You've got the, you got the big, big pockets. Everybody's going to want to come to New York. I'm a heat fan. So we had some, some real fun rivalries back in the day. I actually was at that. I'm sure you remember this, but in 1999, Allen Houston uh, put a dagger in our in our dreams uh, against the Heat. That shot still. I remember it. That one. Yeah, I remember the shot is actually similar to. It was a different angle, but how Kawhi Leonard just won the game, where it went off the rim a couple times and then it went in, right? That was. Yeah, you see that? Yeah. Like slow motion. Those guys are they're assassins. (laughs) Just incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We'll have a we'll renew the rivalry here in a few years when we our teams get our acts together. How about that? I, it sounds good. You know, your your guy, the guy who runs your organization, our best years in the 90s is when he was coaching our team, Pat Riley. So 
hopefully that rivalry will be renewed. <laughs> he, he is the man, no matter where he goes. I'm hoping he uh, renews it here in Miami. But Miami, New York, who wouldn't want who wouldn't want to play there? So I think we'll be all right. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so Devin, you are a dad. How old are your kids now? Yeah, I'm a 21 year old. Uh, my girl's 21. She just graduated from college out there in Florida. And then I have a 17 year old son and an eight year old son. So quite a gap. First of all, respect to anybody. We've got three here, seven, five, and almost two. So I've learned three kids. Uh, my hat goes off to any parent pulling that off. So much respect. But that's a pretty big age gap. What is the, uh, what's it like raising three kids? And I don't want to say different generations, but I mean, your first kid was born before the iPad, the iPhone. Is it a, is it a different experience? Yeah, totally. I mean, really different experience. And, and as a dad, as a father, as you know, it's like, uh, we, uh, to me, it, you continue to learn. It's, it's one of those things in life where I'm always learning. So my 21-year-old, it's definitely different generations in how they see things, how connected they are. And my eight-year-old, you know, it, it is a big gap. It's kind of like the old uh, Tony Montana Scarface. When I thought I was out, I got pulled back in kind of thing. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, and the, the eight year old, uh, you know, he has an old school mentality though. You know, he, he plays basketball and he's a hard worker and he's, he's connected more than my daughter was, you know, to, to iPads and stuff like that because, you know, the teaching in school is like that now, you know, they bring that stuff into the school. So, you know, I'm learning as a dad as, as I go along uh, as well, you know, and I think that's what keeps it fresh and, and the willingness to kind of not act like, oh, I did this twice before and I know it all. It's more like, you know, what more can I learn? And I think that's what keeps it really exciting and fresh for me. Yeah, especially when you have multiple kids. I, I we just had another dad on. He's like, just when you thought you had to figure it out, the other kids got different issues or interests, and you need a whole new, uh, new, new tool belt to figure things out. So you got to, you got to keep learning. I know you talk about sharpening the saw. You definitely got to yeah. keep that saw sharp with, uh, with three kids. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, and and how you sharpen it is, look, you, you try to get better and, and it's not about perfection. It's about practice. But also, are you willing to be open to learn from your children? Like there's some things that my, you know, my children that I wasn't aware of that they teach me. And um, I think that as a father, to me, that's one of the qualities that allows me to have real connection. It's not this, you know, do as I say, not as I do authoritarian kind of kind of leadership with, with my children. It's more like, you know, uh, you know, watch, you know, watch how I act, but also I'm, I'm willing to hear your voice. And I, and I think that's important. Yeah, we have to. I mean, it's a, it seems like a whole new frontier for dads. I mean, Devin, you were actually flexible and nice enough to reschedule our interview because right when we sign off, I'm running to a pre-K end of the year party. These parties and activities these kids have are, are relentless. And sometimes I do wonder if we've swung too far in the other direction but then you know my five-year-old son tells me how excited he is that I'm coming to school today and getting some one-on-one -on -one time so of course how can I how can I say no to that but it does it feels like we're kind of in uncharted territory being a parent today especially dads do you do you ever think like we've gone too far or our expectations are too high today 
you know, I, I, I think it's a personal journey. You know, I, I try not to generalize everything. When I first got into the fatherhood space, you know, I, I was initially before I started my business working in a nonprofit, you know, developing programs for first time fathers. And and the languaging around fatherhood at that time early on was like, we have a crisis. We have a crisis in America. There's, there's not enough father involvement. You know, there's a lot of absent fathers or even the fathers who are in the home you know, they're so dedicated to their work and their job that they don't really, they're not really present with their children. And I think that what's happened is there's been a real awareness around fathers and, and there's been a shift. And the shift to me is there's more involved, uh, there's more fathers involved in their children's lives than any time in our history. And that's a fact. The Pew study has shown it. And this, this goes, it doesn't matter race or, or, uh, race doesn't come into the equation. They've looked at the studies in the Pew Research and said, fathers are actually more involved in their children's life than any other time, meaning taking them to school, being there to change diapers, whatever it is, there's been a shift. And I think that that only adds to the next generation of our leaders. I don't think it's gone too far. I think it's it's moving in a direction where you have active, present fathers, which benefits not only the children, but benefits families, and society. So I think it's actually a good thing that's going on. Yeah, I think it's great. And then you, and then I'll read a study about, you know, nature versus nurture and how much impact do we really have, which makes me hesitate, but you know, it's, this is our lives and our kids. And it does feel like, you know, being more involved has to give them a better sense of security, better, more self-confidence, these kind of things. So I'd like to think it's making it, it's making a difference, but you know, every now and then when you're running from one activity to the next. And you're like, did my dad do that? I feel like he was at work and uh, showed up uh, to the championship <laughs> game, but, but I know that right. so it seems like, uh, you know, when, when our life is over, we're going to, they always say you're going to look back and you're not going to care about how much money you made or this or that. You're going to care about your family, your kids, your friends. So it seems like it's a good investment, but you know, anything, that rewarding is going to entail hard work. So definitely it's work, right? It's well, I wouldn't call it work, but it's, it's challenging at times, but that's what makes it rewarding too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Exactly that. You know, I remember uh, it does take work. It takes commitment. You know, it takes you keeping your word and, you know, and, and that's the thing, like it's easy to cop out and not keep your word, but like, what are the things that are most important in your life? And Rob, you said it, you know, I remember I was on a, on a train, a uh, plane ride from San Antonio back from work a couple of years ago. And I literally thought the plane was going to crash. Right. It was like, I wrote about this in my book, but I, I it, I've never heard. And uh, turbulence doesn't bother me. I mean, this was a different level. Like it was so bad, Rob, that the babies were quiet and the children and the adults were the ones screaming on this, <laughs> on this plane. Right. And I remember turning to the steward to the, the lady working the plane and they're not called stewardesses anymore. But uh, I turned to her and I say, you know, basically, are you, are we okay? Cause this doesn't seem normal. And she looked me in my face and she was like, no, we're not. And I'm like, what? I, and I'm like, you, you didn't have anything better than that. And, and the reason I, and the reason I said that is at that moment, when I thought it was like all over, I didn't think of the money I accumulated. Like you said, the car, the house, whatever it was, it was the question did I spend enough time? Did I give enough love to the people in my life? Well, love starting with my children. And I think that that's, that's really what brings the, the richness of life out of, of really being there and, and sharing these moments. Um, so I think what you're doing with this program and this job, you know, our job, you know, not to say job 
is to really enhance the lives of those because, you know, you can't take it with you. And if it's a life just about yourself, uh, that's a really sad life, in my opinion. It's about how can you impact those around you, especially your children. Yeah, it's for sure. You know, like you said, and it is, it's almost, I don't want to say it's cliche, but it's almost easier to talk about than the day to day. You know, they even say the years go by fast, but the the days go by slow. And I think one thing I like about what you do is you're really give out kind of actionable things that you can do day to day and not just say how important this is, but actually live it right. You know, take, uh, take time with your kids, take time for yourself. What are, what are some of the kind of tips that you give to, I know you, you coach uh, entrepreneurs, you coach, you coach business people, you coach parents everywhere. What kind of things, besides just talking about making this an important part of your day and your life, what kind of like tips? Actually, that kind of leads us in. We do a, a, a dad tip of the week on the show every week. Do you have a, a tip for other dads out there? Yeah, and this goes into... Uh, Actually, I'm on planes a lot, so this may be a plane analogy. But the, the the biggest tip, I think, is to really take time and put time and attention into your own self-care. Of If you don't prioritize yourself, if you don't create like a morning routine where you can kind of, what I say is fill your own cup, you know, and a cup with a, underneath in New York, Rob, we call it a saucer. You know, other places it's probably called the saucer or something like that. But in New York, it's spelled S-A-W-C-A-A, saucer, right? I, and, and the analogy I like to look at is oftentimes as parents, as business people, as fathers, like we, we feed people, our children, the community, our work out of our cup. And eventually our cup gets empty. And when our cup gets empty, we get burnt out, we're overwhelmed, you know, we're, we're kind of reactive. Uh, we may say things we don't mean. So the job, the first job, you know, I work with, with fathers is what are the things that fill your cup? What are the things that fill your cup so much that you have an overflow? Because when you have an overflow over the cup, then the, the overflow goes on the saucer. So when I'm feeding from my overflow, from my saucer, my cup never gets empty. And some of the things are creating a great morning routine. You know, I have a thing called the power hour. Other things are really prioritizing in your life the things that fill your cup, the things that really bring you joy, the things that allow you to be your best, you know, whether it's exercise, whether it's um, some kind of quiet time, whether it's journaling. And I have like specific kind of tips that, that I think uh, help people fill that cup. And once you identify that, the thing is, if I have a full cup, I could be fully present as a father, as a businessman, you know, as someone in the community that makes a difference. Um, I can't, I can't pour from an empty cup. So, so that's one of the key, I think, things to keep up up front is, you know, there's never going to be the perfect time to take care of yourself except right now. And it may feel selfish that you that you put yourself first, but it's actually the most selfless thing you could do is to put yourself first and take care of you first because it'll allow you to take care of your children, your your colleagues, your you know the people who work for you even more powerfully. That's good. And now I know what Greg, when our friend Greg was on the show, that was actually his dad tip was, he says, and don't take this the wrong way, uh, moms and parents out there, but be selfish. He's like, you know, not to a, to an extreme, but if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. And, you know, we're so busy now that your, your burnout rate is going to be higher than ever. So you need to, to, to take time for yourself and, you know, maybe explain that to your wife, why it's important and come back come back to the home and come back to your family, you know, in a good place with, with, like you said, that cup filled up. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Greg stole the thunder. So let me give you another one. I'm going to give you, I'm going to say, say no more than you say yes. And people struggle with this word no. But, you know, if you, Warren Buffett, they asked him, what is your key to success? And, and he said, you know, I say no 90% of the time. And what we have to realize as parents is sometimes, you know, guys come to me and say, I have time management problems. And Rob, I say, you know what, Let me tell me your day, tell me what's important, let's align what's important to what you do. And what I realized is that people don't have time management problems, they have people pleasing problems. They're saying yes to the things they need to say no to. And and one of the keys is, as parents is to prioritize the, the three things, you know, that are really important in, in your life. And when And realizing that when you say no to other commitments, you're actually saying yes to the things that you have a priority in. So, so understand that, you know, overcommitting yourself, saying yes to the things you don't really want to do is actually not benefiting you. And it's not aligning you with the things that will bring, you know, the happiness and fulfillment that you want in your life and for your children. That's really good because in a world of uh, to-do lists and calendars and email and everything, it's like, I, I've been trying to get more organized with my calendar and it seems like a lot of those things are just, you know, checking off boxes. And at the, at when the day is concluded, I'm like, what did I even really do today that was important? So like you said, maybe saying no to things that you would have said yes to in the past or seem easy there. Cause you know, especially as parents, we have like a limited amount of bandwidth, amount of willpower and it gets depleted. So every yes that you think is harmless seems like it does take a little bit out of our gas tank. So I'm going to try and uh, keep practicing that. But like you said, yeah, it is probably a people pleasing thing, which which a lot of us suffer from. I know I do. So it's like, uh, yeah. and it doesn't even mean you have to say, you know, yes to everything your kids want to do. You know, it's like being, right. being choosy and being specific with it and deliberate, I think is important. Simple, not easy, but I think you need to hear this, you know, from other dads, especially experts like you to uh, kind of guide us the right way. Yeah, I mean, and you know what you can create? I, I created a to-don't list. To-don't, right? What am I not going to do? And and in the, in the beginning of the day, I have a thing called MIT's most important things. And I only list three to five things. Like, what are three things that are most important today that if I move these forward, it'll really be a successful day? And and for me, that keeps it really simple and, and in keeps the momentum going. And like you said, even saying no to your children is important too. Like one of my favorite lines to my children is, I love you and no. (laughs) (laughs) So what's an an example of like something that either you deal with or some of your clients and parents have dealt with that they were saying yes to that, you know, you've learned to say no to that we probably all do every day because I'm sure we just take it for granted or we're unconsciously going through the day, even if it is like responding to these 10 emails and all of a sudden an hour went by and they're gone. But do you have any examples that might resonate with uh, our audience that we could we could probably think about? Yeah. Tomorrow? Yeah. I, I mean, I have a couple examples. I mean, one of the things is really the first thing I look at, like I had a, a guy who, you know, he had all these things, you know, a few things that were really important. And yet he was spending most of his time going back and forth with emails, you know, and everything seemed like an emergency. And and what happens is he found himself not connected. He was on his email at the park with the kids, not, you know, not present. And what we started doing is creating space in his, in his, in his day where he had like time for some deep work. 
You know, there's a Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work in that like space in your day out where you have like these 60 minute time blocks of like, this is where I'm going to do work. You know, like when I was doing my show and things like that, my, my children started um, adjusting to saying, hey, dad got work for this hour. But when dad comes back with me, he doesn't have his phone like he's all in with me. And 15, 20, 30 minutes with a child of uninterrupted being present time is way better than having two and a half hours just being there on your phone and disconnected. You know what I mean? So so one of the things, you know, I point out a lot of people see me on, you know, social media and things like that. And they say, you do so much, you travel, you do. And I said, no, I actually do the same three things, Rob, over and over again, which means I have to say no to other things. So what I love is spending a lot of time with my kids. I love traveling and I love creating a business that really is of service to people. And I do my life is those are the things that bring me the most joy. So my whole life, everything, when I set my calendar, those things are first and everything has to either fit around that or I have to say no to it. So what people see is that I have more time enjoying time with my kids. I have more time traveling, building a business. It looks like a lot, but it's actually not. It's simple. It's just a simplicity has been the key to, to breaking down a life of being more productive. And what I found is I've been more impactful as a father. I've been more impactful as a, as a coach, as a speaker, whatever, I, as an author, because my time is on focus time around the things I like. Where you won't find me is the club doesn't excite me, right? You won't find me doing like um, coffee, coffee dates with people. Like that's just for me, I had to get clear on what is important for me. So my time is the most valuable asset I have. So I'm really clear on it. And, and one of the things is really set your calendar, like really create my calendar is my, is my work product. So if it's not in the calendar, it's not going to happen. So I, I schedule everything in my calendar. And then when someone asks me for a commitment, I never say yes right away. I say, that sounds like a great idea. Can I get back to you tomorrow? And that gives me space between the excitement of the opportunity and then really anchoring in for myself, is this in line with, with what I want for myself and my family? Really good. And you're echoing a lot of things I hear on this show from guests. Uh, Jesse Itzler, he walks around with his giant calendar and he's like, this calendar is my life. And he'll plan the whole year out. He's like, I know what yeah. I'm saying yes to. And he's big. And he looks like he's saying yes to everything. He's climbing mountains. He's got four kids under 10. But it is. He's like, right. stuff is planned and intentional. and he gave the same example. That's what I asked him. I was like, so you're doing all these things. What are you saying no to? And he's like, oh, you know, BS meetings or uh, coffee dates. He's like, those are the time sucks that I used to fall into that I've started just saying no to. And it seems like it's empowering. Yeah. And exactly what you said. And you look at Jesse, you say, oh, my goodness, he's doing everything so busy. But if you ask him, I'm sure he'd say, actually, life is pretty simple because it's scheduled, it's intentional, and it, it just you, it's amazing the freedom that being more intentional allows you. You know, I was a guy like, I, you know, structure felt very rigid to me. But what I realized was when I'm intentional around the structure, it actually is the most freeing thing. It allows me to be more creative and, 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 and have more space and time. So it, those are really great examples, especially for fathers out here uh, raising children. And I think it's really important because just because you have a kid, you know, like, 
that doesn't all come that naturally to us. And there's a lot more on, on involved father's plate today. So you almost need to relearn these skills and you can't necessarily imply what you were doing in your twenties or, you know, what you do at your job. You've all of a sudden got, you know, I sometimes look at the lives of my friends without kids and I'm like, man, it must be so easy. You can do this or that. So, which is not true, but it is very, you know, you do have to be very intentional about it or else it's life will run you over for sure. Absolutely. All right, Devin, on the Dad the Best I Can show, we like to do some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I love this kind of stuff. Go ahead. (laughs) What is the first car you ever owned? Ooh, uh, first car, uh, grandma uh, helped me out with it. Buick Celebrity. I hear a lot of Buick (laughs) first cars. They were very back in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, well, this was like 90s, and and I had subwoofers. I remember it was a big thing to have a lot of bass coming out of the trunk. So, <laughs> What is, along those lines, I, I think I read you're a big rap fan. Who's your favorite rap artist of all time? Rap artist of all time, definitely Nas from, from Queens. One of my, definitely my favorite, my favorite group is Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> what is your favorite meal to eat for dinner? Ooh, that's a great question. My favorite meal to eat for dinner, probably I love me, I, I love some good lamb, man. Anything like lamb chops, uh, my favorite meal with some vegetables. Favorite movie of all time. We can do a drama and a comedy if you'd like. Mm, favorite movie of all time. That is a tough one. I would have to say... Let's go with Denzel Washington when he was coaching the football team. Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. I I, I love that movie. Man, that ending has got to be a top top five ending of any movie. 100%. What is your favorite sport to play? Or when you were an athlete back in the day, what was your favorite sport? Definitely basketball. I played college basketball. Oh, wow. Where, Where did you play? I played at a school called Belmont Abbey. It was an NAI Division One school, and uh, it was funny. The leading scorer of the girls' team was Stephen Curry when he was young, his aunt. So uh, Del Curry, his father, used to come to our games. And I remember I was this cocky New York guy, five foot nine, thinking I'm going to the NBA, right? And one, and he says he keeps coming to games. He's a great guy, Del. Finally, he says, "Hey, New York, you want to shoot around tomorrow?" I said, "Yeah, I'll shoot around with you, old guy." So he says, all right, meet me in the gym at 7, 7 a.m. I said, all right. So I go to the gym at 7 a.m., Rob. I'm shooting. Me and Del Curry, just us two. We shoot for an hour. He shoots only NBA and college threes. And in an hour, I promise you, he misses two shots, right? I leave, I leave the gym, Rob, like, I'm not going to no NBA, man. <laughs> man, those are some, uh, yes, it's incredible watching, uh, even, even Steph's brother is, uh, tearing it up in the playoffs. That's, that's, that's impressive genes and yeah, some good fatherhood there. I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, great answers, Devin. So let's talk a little bit about your book. You wrote a, a great book called fatherhood is leadership. And I was thinking about it. You kind of articulated what I think about a lot, but you put words to it. What does fatherhood is leadership mean to you and kind of how can we apply that in our day-to-day lives as dads? Yeah, just simply for me, what I've learned in working with leaders and fathers, I saw this just mirror of that leadership isn't about your title. You know, I've worked with CEOs who have the title of leader and they're not leaders. And then I lead that organization and the guy who's the janitor has 
he's holding court with 10 people at the end of the day. Uh, that's leadership. And to me, fatherhood is also not about your title. It's about influence. It's, it's how your words and your ways influence your children and those around you. And my simple analogy is the question consistently, not to be perfect, but does your audio match your video? You know, that's leadership is when your words are aligning with your actions. You know, the days of the old school leadership of do as I say, not as I do, or old school parenting of do as I say, not as I do is really outdated. And, and we're at a day where there's information everywhere that the, the real true leaders are the ones who influence through not only their words, but through their actions. And I think that's a, a continual kind of thing to check in with yourself on is, is this is this matching up with who I want to be in the world? And, you know, what's your mission statement as a father? What would what do you want your legacy to be with your children when they're reading your eulogy? Like, what's the impact you want to have? And for me, I want to align and be that. I want to live into being that type of person as a leader. Yeah, I like what you said there, even with your eulogy. And it sounds kind of morbid, but I've been reading a lot of you know, stoic uh, material a lot. And they talk a lot about that, like almost like picturing the end of your life and what do you want your legacy to be? And that is how you should live day to day, you know, not being afraid of it, but actually making that, you know, the reason for how you act during the day. So I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. I wanted to touch also on, you mentioned before morning routine, and I hear about this a lot and I'm always trying it and, you know, Back, backsliding out of it. And, you know, a lot of the people I hear are, you know, Tim Ferriss and these kind of 30 somethings without kids that wake up and have their tea and journal. And it's like 830, but before they've uh, come out of their Zen period, and I get a little bit envious of it. And, but I also know how important it is. And, you know, how and why do you think it is so important for parents to have the, a kind of morning routine, you know, even if their kids are waking up at 6am and not that trying not to make that an excuse of why not to and then letting the day get away from them. Yeah, it's important on many levels. And I, and I get kind of your way and hearing these guys with no parent, you know, no children. And the reason the, the thing is to be flexible, too. So I have a morning routine. And yet, you know, when you have children, it can't be so rigid sometimes, like, but I never miss my morning routine. And it has evolved over the years. The reason why it's important is I really want to go into my day. I have this saying, like, I do more before 10 o'clock than most people do all day. And what happens is if I do a morning routine and put myself first and take care of myself, it's my way to fill that cup to have the saucer overflowing. I get present. I'm less reactive. I feel inspired and empowered. And then I can, you know, really be present for my children as they go off and then the people I work with throughout the day. So, you know, I started out with an early thing called the power hour. And what happened was, you know, I just woke up earlier. You know, I got to bed a little earlier. And for me, the, taking ownership of my morning actually created my day in an intentional way that I found myself being more productive. And the power hour doesn't have to take an hour. But these were some of the principles that I did. I put this in the book, too, that peace stood for, you know, peace, like that was like some quiet time. You know, I usually start my day the first seven minutes before I get out of bed is just going through all the things I'm grateful for. That's just, I just want to condition my mind to kind of be in gratitude and abundance as rather than scarcity. Always openness. So I do some kind of journaling. Um, I do this five minute journal exercise, so that doesn't take too long. Then I ask three questions. Who needs me today? What do I need to do? And why am I doing it? 
So who needs me today? The only people who come on that list every day is my children. But it also lets, lets me see I can't be everything for everybody every day. So it really says, who needs me today? What do I need to do? What are the three most important things I want to move forward? And why? You know, Steve Jobs used to ask in the mirror every day, he said, uh, if, if this was the last day of my life, would I be doing what I'm about to do? And if the answer was no too many days in a row, he changed what he was doing. So the why question is important. Why am I doing what I'm about to do? So that's W. E is a little bit of movement and exercise and R is reading. So I get some kind of reading or, or videos. You know, it doesn't have to be long in my day. And that kind of fills my cup uh, to have a really powerful day ahead. And I like what you said. You have to be, especially when you have young kids, you've got to be flexible with it. You can't just say, well, I don't have an hour, so I'm just going to start my day by chaos and looking at my phone. I mean, even today, I've tried to get in the habit of like, yes, I'm sure almost everybody is very tired and probably not getting enough sleep, you know, at least parents when they wake up. So I've kind of accepted it as I'm going to be tired for the first 20 minutes that I wake up. But if I can beat my kids to the punch and wake up a little before them, so I'll set the alarm just so I can have my oatmeal, coffee, read, you know, even if it's 11 minutes of quiet, my day just goes a lot smoother than when it's all reactive. And I mean, I'll be honest, 645 to 715, getting these kids out the door is like, if you had a camera in here, it's a, it's a three ring circus every day. But like knowing, right. knowing that I, I had a little time to myself before and that once they're at school, you know, I can settle into a groove, I think is, is very key and powerful. It's a hundred percent. And those 11 minutes are powerful. And then you have stuff to the day throughout your day you could work in if you want. But I think that's, that's really, really important to kind of allow yourself to know that I need to build in some time and also be flexible. Right. And I think that's something I struggled with is that like, if you're not doing an hour, if you're not doing all these things a hundred percent, you almost beat yourself up a little and say, Oh, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm not a failure. But in reality, you're, you're probably improving, you know, the, your quality of life one, five, 10% each day, which is huge in the scheme of things. But it's so easy to just disregard it and be like, ah, what's the point of this anyway? So you almost have to like, really go after those small wins and, and take them when you can get them. Rob, that you're right on. I mean, I say that to my clients, like, what would 1% be? Because if you move this thing forward, if you had a 1% better morning routine that you took care of yourself in about three and a half months, 100 days, you'd be 100% further than you are today. And you got to look at the long term game rather than this all or nothing game. And I think that that's where people get caught up. Oh, I hear Tim Ferriss about the, the four hour work week, but Tim Ferriss forgot to tell us about the 80 hours he was putting in for the 15 years before he got to a four hour work week. So, so it's really a process instead of this all or nothing. I got to get where someone else is, do what works for you and just enhance on that each day. Yeah. And I think even like, uh, without being pessimistic, like lowering our expectations, I think is good too. We probably, I'm sure you're dealing with a lot of really high achievers, CEOs that have high expectations. And I imagine that it's hard for them to, you know, especially when it comes to parenting, to realize that it's not all going to go smoothly and perfectly. I mean, what are what are some common challenges that you see from when you're coaching a superstar CEO that he's coming to you as a, uh, you know, coach in parenting and business? What kind of things do you see they struggle with and yeah. how can you help them there? Yeah, this thought of perfectionism, but also this concept. And this is this is like blasphemy in New York, but this concept of slowing down is one of the biggest challenges that you got people who, who associate slowing down 
with like losing their mojo or or losing their edge. And and really when I work with these high performers is understanding like this analogy of like a bike, a racing bike. Of right now you're in the gears one one. So your feet are moving so fast, but you're not you don't have any momentum and you're not going anywhere. And what slowing down is is really up leveling your gears. So you're like in a six gear with a four where your legs are going slower but you're more impactful and you're going further. So one of the things that we start with is one, to get out of this mindset of perfectionism, move towards practicing every day. It's all about a practice. And two, to slow down to the speed of life. I like it. You've, you've taught me a ton just in this, uh, this half hour. I really appreciate uh, you being on the Dad the Best I Can show, Devin. Where can, where can people learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, it was a pleasure, Rob. Uh, my book is Fatherhood is Leadership. It's on Amazon and, and Barnes and Nobles. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. So great gift and uh, a lot of stuff in there, tools in there and stories. And you can find me also everywhere on social media and my website, DevinBanderson.com. I love it. I checked out the book. It is great. I mean, Father's Day, it is a great gift if any moms or dads are out there listening. But really any day. I'm not not huge on all the mothers that seems like there's a holiday every week, but this is your this yeah. is your life, right? This is day if you've got kids, you're going through this every day. And if you can kinda, you know, write the ship and like we said before, even go for that one percent improvement, it really you know, I have to remind myself of this every day when sometimes at bedtime the wheels feel like they're coming off. But, you know, you get some sleep, you wake up the next day and you just try and do it again and Hopefully, uh, you know, you see, you see the results with your kids and with yourself, right? Absolutely, Rob. And, uh, and keeping the conversation going like you're doing with shows like this, I think it's important for men especially to hear the conversations, hear that nobody's got this thing down, we're not perfect, and, and also some real good tools to help people along the way. I think it's, you're doing some great work here, man. I appreciate it, Devin. All right, I'm off to be a super dad for 30 minutes at a pre-K pre-K party. We'll uh, let's stay in touch and talk. Sounds good. Take care, Rob. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.